Good morning, church family, wherever you're listening in, however you're tuning in. We're so glad that you're able to join us here this morning. Hey, we have a special treat for you guys this morning. This morning, you'll get to hear from a good friend of mine and a friend of uh, our church new community, Sharon, Sharon Whited. Sharon is a trained clinical counselor, and uh, she spent some time with us, actually, our church. The last time Sharon was with us was three years ago when, when our entire church went through an incredibly transformative sermon series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And some of you remember that Sharon came and talked about what it means to grieve our losses well. She talked about why grieving our losses well is such a vital component of what it means to follow Jesus. Some of you know that Jenny, uh, my wife, is a pediatrician. We're talking this week about the toll that this pandemic is having, not just on our physical health, but on our mental health. I was reminded of this stark reality, actually, when Jenny's older brother emailed me of a story about an ER doctor in New York who took her own life. And that just absolutely shattered me. Um, the toll that this pandemic is having, not on, not on the mental health, just of our healthcare professionals who are on the front lines of, of caring for the sick, but just on our general population as a whole, is really staggering, you guys. The rise of mental health issues was already at an unprecedented level before this pandemic. And I read recently that some 36% of Americans say that the pandemic has had a serious impact on their mental health. We are experiencing what some mental health experts have called community trauma. There's collective trauma that we're all experiencing in the midst of this pandemic from the stress, from the anxiety, the shock, the sadness, and the numbness. And it is so critical for us, and you hear me say this all the time, to name the trauma, to name that grief, because that's the only way that we can move forward. If we can name it, we can manage it. As you know, we've been on the series on the book of Habakkuk, and last week I talked about lament and the importance of lament. It is key to living a vital faith in times like we're living right now where there seems to be so much suffering, so much death, so much destruction, and so much uncertainty at a societal level. Lament ultimately connects us to our only source of hope and comfort, Lament is an expression of deep pain and sorrow. It's a vulnerable and honest crying out to God about our pain and our sorrow. But if we are going to cry out to God about our pain and sorrow, we need to pay attention to our pain and sorrow. We need to admit our pain and sorrow. We need to name what it is that we're feeling. You know, some churches will not touch the issue of mental health with a 10-foot pole. But as you know, that's not who we are at New Community. We talk about hard things. We talk about mental health and we talk about emotional health because we recognize that God created us in such a way that every part of who we are, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, are all interdependent. How one part of our being is doing will have profound impact on the other parts of who we are. You can't neglect your relationship with yourself, that is your mental, emotional self, as well as your relationship with others in community, and think that you could have a healthy relationship 
with your heavenly Father. Sharon, it's so good to have you here. It's so good to have you here. Um, something that I've felt and heard other people say during this time is, I'm just so tired. I'm just so exhausted. And some mental health experts describe what we're experiencing mm -hmm. as a society as community trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, trauma is a strong word. Mm -hmm. And some of us might be sort of taken aback by that. But do you think that's a good description of what it is that people are experiencing? And what, what does it feel like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great experience mm -hmm. or you know, way to talk about it because I think the pandemic really fits the description that we would label as trauma. Um, one of the things about trauma is, you know, it can be a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a recurring thing. Um, it can be something that happens to people ongoing. Um, and I think one of the things about trauma is that it's an unexpected thing. It's something yeah. that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. We're not looking for it. It often blindsides us. Mm. Um, and this pandemic has definitely been that. Mm. Um, it's something that has kind of sweeped not just our nation and not just our city, but the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's unexpected. Yeah. And so that would be appropriate. Yeah. Um, trauma also is something that threatens us. It threatens our sense of safety and our well-being. Um, it, it, it really threatens our sense of stability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so again, the pandemic would represent that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of caused all kinds of havoc um, uh, in individuals, in families, in communities, in the country, mm -hmm. you know, our economy, mm -hmm. and in so many different ways. And so there definitely would be threatening, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, trauma leaves people feeling helpless. Yeah. They don't have any way to really, or they don't feel like they have any way to really do anything about it. Yeah. It's just happening to them. Mm. So it's similar to other traumas we experience mm -hmm. or have, or people do experience. It could, like a car accident, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or often in the city, you know, people unfortunately experience things like mugging yeah. where it, it blindsides us. It comes out of nowhere, yeah. you know, it threatens our safety and it's not something we can really do anything about. Mm -hmm. And it's unique. It's a unique experience. Um, we do as humans deal with trauma throughout our life so it's not necessarily the pandemic is the only trauma we right. have or right. will ever experience but it is that and um, and sometimes it's hard to name things trauma it feels very serious yeah. you know, yeah. and scary and um, and yet we experience them to varying degrees um, throughout our whole life mm. and I think what we need to recognize about trauma is that it does affect us yes. and it affects the whole person, you know, it affects all of the parts of who we are. Mm -hmm. Physically, mm -hmm. it affects us. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, it affects us. Mm -hmm. Mentally, it affects us. Spiritually, it affects mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Relationally, it affects us. And so it has a holistic impact. Yes. Um, and with things like community mm -hmm. trauma, mm -hmm. where you're talking about something that affects a larger group of people. Yeah. So it would be something like, you know, gang violence would be an example of that. Mm. Um, a school shooting, mm -hmm. or even like a natural disaster, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, that would come through a community. Um, so, you know, there is that element too of, of community and it's exhausting. I mean, when I, when I say that out loud, I even feel tired, you yeah. know, this reality that this takes a toll on people. Yeah. And so I think sometimes 
people don't actually know what's happening to them. And mm -hmm. so I think it's important to name it mm -hmm. so that we can say, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is what's going on mm -hmm. with me. Um, even that can sometimes bring comfort. Sure, sure. So the, the feelings that we feel as we navigate mm -hmm. our new reality, feelings like anger, frustration, exhaustion, confusion, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. just to name a mm -hmm. few, mm -hmm. I think all fund, uh, fall under the umbrella of what I would call grief, right? right? Grief. And we're collectively grieving, as mm -hmm. someone said, what used to be and what should have been. Right. Um, I'm thinking about students that are missing their graduations. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about couples who've had to delay getting married. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about also uh, parents with newborns mm -hmm. who yeah. don't have the opportunity to bring their baby home, right? And have their family and friends come and celebrate and share meals. Right. They're coming home and are quarantined. Mm -hmm. Uh, and grief can take a huge emotional toll mm -hmm. and wear us down physically mm -hmm. and mentally. But naming our grief is critical, right, mm -hmm. to moving forward. I've heard someone say that if we could name it, then mm -hmm. we could manage it. Mm. <laughs> right. But Sharon, why is it so hard to name our grief? And how do we do it? Mm. How do we name it? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I definitely think, I mean, when you go through a trauma, you're going to experience grief. You're going to experience deep sorrow. That's yeah. what really grief is. It's, you know, like you said, there's loss, you know, of all varieties, of all different kinds. And um, I think some of the reasons why it's hard to yeah. name it is because we don't practice it. And, and sometimes mm. we don't even mm. self give ourselves permission to do it. Mm. Um, some of that is learned. Yeah. You know, um, we grow up in families perhaps where, you know, we're heard, don't feel that way yes. or that's bad mm. or don't do that. Um, don't, don't feel sad, mm -hmm. you know, feel mm -hmm. happy, you know, or anger's a bad thing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so we're taught family of origin, sometimes our cultures, um, you know, sometimes by other adults in our life, um, through different communities and sadly even the church. Sure. We sure. are sometimes, yep. not all the time, but sometimes taught, like, if you love Jesus, mm -hmm. if you follow God, you shouldn't feel these right. hard feelings. Right. Generally, we're okay with things like people being happy or grateful or excited. Like, those are, <laughs> we're okay with those. We feel more comfortable with those mm -hmm. kinds of feelings. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to what people might name, you know, negative or, or hard emotions, right like anger, right. like fear, um, sadness, you know, those kinds of things, it, it becomes like, mm, I don't know if I should say that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. But the irony of that is that God made us as emotional beings. Sure, sure. <laughs> so emotions in and of themselves can't be bad. Yeah. They have yeah. to be good, right? Yeah. Because they're God-given. Mm -hmm. And they serve a function. They serve mm -hmm. a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just kind of this addendum of our, of our personhood. Right. They're an integrated part of right. us, you know, just like our physical, our mental, our spiritual. I mean, they're an integral part of who we are and how God has made us. Yes. You know, and even Christ himself, right? We see many examples of him expressing emotion, mm -hmm. of him mm -hmm. crying, yeah. getting angry, yeah. <laughs> frustrated, yes. you know, fearful even, right? Before the crucifixion, you know? Um, and so these are normal human emotions. And yeah. I think we've, sadly, many people experience certain emotions as unacceptable, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. grief is one of those. Mm -hmm. Our culture does not grieve well. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. Um, our churches often don't grieve well. Yeah. You know, we want to move right to the resurrection. Yes. 
<laughs> and forget the forget the death part, That's right? right. Um, but the resurrection isn't possible if there's not the death That's part. Right. And so I think um, I think that is part of why it's so hard. That's mm -hmm. why people walk into my office often mm -hmm. is because mm -hmm. there's hard things they're dealing with. There's hard feelings, and they feel like there's no safe place to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. people will judge me, people will ridicule me, people will tell me I'm bad or I'm not holy or I'm not good enough or God can't love me that mm. way, mm. which is just absurd because right. that's not true. Right. Um, and so I think part of it is the way we look at emotions, the way we see them, their function. And emotions definitely aren't something that we should let rule our life, mm -hmm. but they do have an importance. You know, they make us aware of certain things. Right. They um, point to certain things. Yes. They illuminate certain things that are important for us to see and understand. Mm -hmm. They also make life a lot richer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, and more beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the reasons why mm -hmm. I think people often will shy away from expressing grief mm -hmm. because they're fearful yep. of others' reactions or even the own internal voice in their head that says, you shouldn't do that, that's yeah. not good. Yeah, That's not right, yeah. What does naming grief then mm. sure look like? What does it yeah. look like and how do well, we do it? Yeah. Well, I think it starts first with ourselves. Okay. <laughs> you know, we have to get comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if we sat down and we really thought about how often we name what we feel mm -hmm. to ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, that we take time just mm. to sit yeah. and to reflect. We often don't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we often don't just sit down and check in, yeah. you know? So one thing I think we can do is we can make space, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. with ourselves, mm -hmm. just to sit quietly and to ask ourselves like, what am I feeling, Yeah, you know? Um, what's going on inside of me? Mm -hmm. um, being mindful of that, being aware of that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. We can't respond to something that we're not aware of. Yeah, It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so I think part of it is making space for ourselves. And that could just be sometimes just sitting and being still, letting whatever emotions come, come. Mm -hmm, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it might be tears, sometimes it might just be silent mm -hmm. and just noticing what's happening in your own body. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Sometimes people are able to get in touch through writing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people love journaling, mm -hmm. um, other artistic expressions, you know, poetry and creative arts and things like that are often even a therapeutic way that mm -hmm. we use to help people access their emotional life. Yeah. Um, so that's. That's one piece of it, is, mm. is us being willing to acknowledge our own feelings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just us mm. with ourselves. Mm. Um, and those are some ways in which I think we can be still and give ourselves permission to say, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to feel these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a piece of it. I think the other is, is how we connect to the Lord mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with our emotions. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we mm -hmm. feel like, I can't come to the Lord fully honest mm -hmm, mm -hmm. emotionally. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've got to kind of get ready yeah. to be with him. I've yeah. got to be in my best space, yeah. be my best self, you know, be filled with joy and hope. And, and that's, that's just not, I think, what God has shown through scripture, how that's he right. relates to his people. Yep. Um, he wants us to come. Yes. He wants us to bring our full self, mm -hmm. including our emotional self. Mm -hmm. um, 
to him. And one practice that I found really helpful and that's existed for thousands of years is lament. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we um, preached on that. Well, great. Then you all should know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go into that. Um, yeah. But, you know, lament yeah. is a beautiful way, I think, um, to grieve, yes, to express our yes, feelings to the Lord. Yep. And, and part of that then recognize it, that he's there, that's that right. he cares, that's right. that he wants to hear it. That's right. Right? Um, that's right. And I think lament is about expression, but it's also about what we're reminded of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. About who he is, yes. that he's a God that is faithful, that he loves us, yes. that he's present and near yes. to us, um, that he wants to hear what we have yes. to say. Yeah. Um, and it matters to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's a practice that's very practical, mm -hmm. but again, mm -hmm. creates a lot of discomfort for people. It does. You know? it and does. it takes practice. You yeah. know, it's not something you can just always sit down and do, yeah. but it's like, I've got I've to learn how to do this yes. because I have never allowed myself or others have not permitted me mm -hmm. to do that in yeah. my life. Yeah. Um, and it, it sometimes even requires a shift in how we see the Lord himself. That's right, that's right. You know, yeah. as a father that does welcome yeah. our emotions, our sorrow and our grief. Yes, yes. Um, I think as a church, it's a great opportunity both within our congregations, within the body of Christ, but also outside of the body of Christ to welcome people mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. a space mm -hmm. where they can feel safe. Yes where they can feel heard, yes. where they can feel validated, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand where you're at and mm -hmm. I wanna hear what's going on with mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, and also to grieve with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not just this kind of one way process, this unilateral, mm. but it's, mm. it's, a, it's a shared space, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. we can be together, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and where I can not only hear you, but I can join with you. Yeah in yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying we always take on everybody's emotional burdens, but we can be with people in that. Sure, sure, And I think sure. many people don't experience that. Um, but just having a space of connection where we can share those things regularly. Sure, sure. Um, and freely with trusted people that feel safe. Mm. And I mm. hope that the world around us will learn to know that the body of Christ is a safe place yes. to bring us to. Yeah. So yeah, those would be some of my thoughts. Right yeah. yeah, those are those are great, great thoughts. Um, Sharon, you know that um, at Duke Community, we we look at emotional health as a vital component of discipleship of following mm. Jesus. You know, we like to say around here that you can't be spiritually mature mm. without being emotionally healthy. Mm. Yeah. So what are some good soul care practices yeah. in the midst of this pandemic? Um, we call them sacred rhythms like mm -hmm. solitude and Sabbath and rule of life. Yeah. What are some things that you might recommend mm -hmm. that us as followers of Jesus, as vital part of our discipleship, mm -hmm. we might be able to practice and engage in during this time? Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, kind of referring back to what I said earlier about how trauma affects us, you yeah. know, how these events affect us, we really have to look at holistically. Um, we have to look at how it affects us as a whole person and our, our spiritual part of us is central to that. Mm. Um, but I think there are parts of those rhythms that encompass the whole, including yes. our emotional life, our yes. physical life, all of those things. Mm. Um, and so I think one is to look at it holistically as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, and thinking about what does it mean for me to re-envision? See, one of the things that I've found and that I've heard other people say is, the things that I did before don't seem as accessible to me sure, now. 
Sure. You know, yeah. or they don't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't quite fit in this season of my life. Yeah. And so sometimes too, we have to kind of re-envision, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what does it look like, mm -hmm. you know, to care for ourselves spiritually and, you know, holistically in this season. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that takes revisioning. Questions we can ask ourselves yeah. as we're kind of re-envisioning, re-evaluating, mm -hmm. um, thinking about what really refreshes our souls, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. what refreshes us, you know, um, what, what do I need to limit or stop? You mean, mm. what boundaries do I need to put up in mm -hmm. my life mm -hmm. to allow these changes mm -hmm. to occur, to allow these new rhythms or re-envisioned rhythms to exist so that I can really abide with Christ in this season? Mm. You know, because oftentimes, you know, we, we we're like, okay, we're gonna do this thing, but we haven't really considered what could be potential obstacles. Sure, <laughs> And sure. so then it kind of hijacks the process, sure. you know? So we need to be mm -hmm. thinking about that. Um, also, what are, particular challenge is in this stage of my life. You know, maybe I have to work from home now, or maybe I'm homeschooling my kids, or, mm. you know, maybe I'm even more busy than I was before, mm. you know, because of requirements of my job and my life. Maybe I've had a new baby or whatever it is, yeah. you know, and I need to think about what will impact that mm. again, so that I can be reasonable and realistic about sure. the sure. expectations that I set up for myself. And then looking at the commitments that we want to make around prayer, yeah. you know, yeah. connecting with God. When we talk about the impact of trauma, there's a few different things that are really imperative as we look at trauma recovery and recovering from trauma. Mm. One is structure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's having a sense of structure because trauma knocks our sense of security and safety and what we kind of know to be true off balance. We have to kind of reintegrate, re-envision and implement structure. Mm -hmm. It helps with our sense of safety mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and kind of knowing what's coming next. Mm -hmm. We live best in that as humans, yeah. you know, and God created natural rhythms even when he created the earth. So it's important. Things that are predictable, things that we can count on. Mm -hmm, you know, again, mm -hmm. trauma knocks that, you know, things that we normally would expect or do don't exist yeah. or change. Yeah right? Yeah. So predictability is important. And just a general self sense of safety is important in mm. trauma recovery and recovering from trauma. Mm. And so when we look at that, we want to think about when we're talking about commitments, prayer is vital because it's, it's a way that we can communicate with God and connect with God, which is our ultimate place of security yes. and safety and hope yeah. and well-being. It's, 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 it's the heavenly father we can trust, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so that helps in that restorative process even mm -hmm. um, in response to trauma. Yes. Health, you know, just the care of our body, mm -hmm. you know, and all that that means trauma impacts us holistically. So we have to think about how do we care for ourselves, mm. the temple that we have, the temple that God's given us. Mm. It also, um, in mobilizing our body, it just, it gives us a sense, not of helplessness, mm -hmm. but really a sense of ability to reclaim our body yeah. in some ways, you know, which is really important and valuable in trauma recovery. Mm. Um, we move kind of from this state of helplessness to mobility or action, mm -hmm. which can be very healing when mm. you've gone through trauma. Mm. Um, the other thing is relationships, connection to people, which sure. we've talked about sure. and how vital that is to feel like you're a part of a community, you're connected, you're not alone, you're yeah. not isolated. That's been a big challenge, I think, for this season of life is this increased sense of isolation yeah. and yeah. loneliness. Mm -hmm. And and we have to be creative around that. Yeah. You know, there are parameters right now. There are challenges. And I think, um, you know, for some people, it hasn't been as hard 
you know, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. be in, you know, in, you know, kind of this stay at home state. Yeah. But for many people, it's been difficult. And I think I know the body of Christ is kind of groaning for connection. And yes. I know other people are as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece is our work and creativity. You know, how do we engage with that in new ways that are life giving for mm -hmm. us? Mm -hmm. How do we incorporate things, God given gifts and abilities um, that draw out the best in us, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, that empower us and allow us to be the best that God has created us to be? Be, sure. um, and being creative around that too. Sure. Um, so I think that is a practice that your congregation is already familiar with, but mm -hmm. very practical and something that really, I think is an effective response to trauma yeah. and to grief and to sorrow yeah. because it enables us to take action in ways that are vital for our spiritual health, our emotional health, our mm. mental health, our mm. relational health and so forth. Mm. That's really, really good, Sharon. Um, I've been sharing with our church and, and, and other folks that uh, what this pandemic has done is in many ways shatter various illusions that we've had, you know, uh, one obvious one being illusion of control. I think we're all being reminded that that is a huge illusion that we need to come face to face with. The other illusion, though, that I'm really realizing, particularly those of us in the West Americans, is illusion of what I call illusion of autonomy. Mm. And we're realizing that we're all interdependent, mm. you know, what I do yeah. impacts you, right. right? And what you do impacts me. And we're realizing that God created the world mm -hmm. that way. I mean, he created the world so that various facets of creation would live interdependently mm. with one another, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and this gets to ultimately our calling, our mm. kingdom mission, which is to love our neighbors. We are responsible for our neighbors, you mm. know? And, and as followers of Jesus, I'm trying to challenge our church mm. to say, we don't wanna just stop at not having scarcity mentality. We don't wanna just stop at not hoarding, you know? Mm. I mean, I feel like that's like the bare minimum. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like not doing that is like the bare minimum of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Right. I want us to be radically loving. Mm for others yeah. in this season when it's so natural right to be yeah. self-absorbed and self-centered mm -hmm. so sharon as we end this time I, how, what are some things that you would share with us of what it means to care for others well yeah how do we do that in the midst of this sure yeah i think it's an important question it's a question we all need to ask um, of ourselves because everybody has i think maybe more obvious needs now, or maybe we're more attuned to them in some sure. ways. Um, things that we can ourselves relate to. Um, whereas I think prior to the pandemic, it's very easy to kind of live with your blinders on, yeah. you know, if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and now we're kind of aware more of yes. some of how our neighbors are being impacted. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the things about, like you said, about trauma and being in a traumatic situation is, you know, we often first look to self-preservation, mm -hmm. right? How do I take mm -hmm. care of myself? How do yeah. I take care of my family? How do I make sure I have all the, you know, antibacterial wipes I need or right. whatever, right? That yeah. we're hoarding the toilet paper and so yeah. forth. Um, and so the, the hard part is trauma can create this kind of self-focused approach, mm -hmm. right? Because we're living in fear or yeah. we're, 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 our fear is so high. You know, trauma affects our brain even in such a way that it sets off this kind of chronic or 
more um, intense mm. fight, flight, or freeze response, yes. right? And yes. so mm -hmm. there is, I mean, there is a biological, bio, biological, you know, thing that's happening to us, but it doesn't necessarily excuse us sure. <laughs> or um, give us a reason to not respond yeah. to our neighbor. Yeah. So there is that tendency, though, is to, you know, when we're living on high alert or we're living frightened or anxious a lot, that is our tendency mm. to want to protect, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think as believers, you know, you're right, we have this calling not to just look after ourselves yep. for sure, not just to even to tend to our own spiritual life and well-being, which yes. is good, yes. but there is this other piece, you know, that's very important to the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. which is how do we love our neighbor? Yes. And so it does require intentionality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not mm -hmm. something that just happens because we say we love Jesus. We yeah. have to be active in that. I think probably the most important in what we need, because we are living in a lot of fear and anxiety is truth mm -hmm. and reassurance. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. pointing people towards mm -hmm. what's true. Mm -hmm. I think our lives are filled and we allow them to be filled mm -hmm. with things that are just not true. Yeah. You know, social media, the news, yeah. and you know, I'm saying not everything is not true, but a lot of it just bombards us over and over again, and a lot of it's fear-based. Yeah. So yeah. we have to protect ourselves, and we have to offer that to other people. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, um, people who are more concerned about you know conspiracy theories than they are about what the Lord says yeah. about fear. Yeah you know, and about grief and about sorrow. Mm. Um, more desiring maybe to anesthetize themselves or numb out, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And they need hope, mm. they need truth. Mm -hmm. They need to know that there's a God who loves them, that's, that's right. near to them, right. um, that there's a future and a hope beyond the suffering that we experience that's on right. this earth. You know, they need the gospel, Yes. you know, so we have to yes. offer them something else mm -hmm, mm -hmm. other than just the anxiety provoking, mm -hmm. you know, self-preserving messages that yes. we often hear, yes. you know, and, and so I think that's it. And the bigger purposes of God in suffering, yes. you know, mm -hmm. what he can do in and through suffering, mm -hmm. the redemptive mm -hmm. parts mm -hmm. of suffering, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, how he can transform us, how mm -hmm. he can change communities mm -hmm. in suffering, mm -hmm. how he can receive glory yeah. in suffering yeah. in ways that are unique. Mm you know, mm. to our experiences in this world. And and so I think that's important, mm -hmm. that people able to hear that, hear a new message, you know, mm. the good news, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm. You know, here's a man who's walking along, you know, he gets beaten up, <laughs> laid basically on the side of the road to die. Yeah. And, you know, some religious figures pass him, notice him you know, yeah. but kind of move on, Yeah. you know, you know, don't really tend to him. They've got other places to go, things to do, important matters to attend to. And then the Good Samaritan, the most likely of all who might respond to him, notices, Yeah. right? Yeah. He notices him. He's aware, you know, and he makes himself available. Mm -hmm. And scripture says, you know, he looked on him with compassion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so he had an emotional response to him yeah. as well. Um, and then he didn't just say, oh, look at that poor guy. Wow, that's really, what a bummer that he got beat up like that and yeah, I gotta go. Mm. But then he went out of his way to do something, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, he, he, he made a plan and he, and he cared for him and he made sure other people cared for him, you know? And um, even offered financial help, 
you know, yes. to care for him. And he didn't hang around. I mean, he didn't become his best friend. He didn't bring him to his house. Mm -hmm. It doesn't appear that way. But, you know, mm -hmm. he did what he could. Mm -hmm. And he did mm -hmm. what was right in front of him. Right. And I think there's lots of opportunities right in front of us. We don't have to look far. Yeah to yeah. be able to see people who are in need, yeah. who are marginalized, who are the beat up, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. in different ways. Yes. Um, you know, not necessarily physical wounds or even physically carrying COVID in their bodies, yes. but are affected by it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there is not only, you know, a responsibility as Christians, but in an, an imperative as Christians yes. in order for us to really be light to this world yes. and to show the love of God. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I guess in some ways, because we live so close in proximity, it's kind of like, look over the fence. Mm -hmm. Like who is your literal neighbor? Mm -hmm. And who mm -hmm. are the people that touch your life regularly? Yeah. yeah. You know, and how can you reach out to them yes. in practical ways? Yes. Um, you know, in prayer, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, in just reaching out with like, I, I, I know you're there. Yeah. I see you. Um, even though I may not actually see you with my eyeballs right yeah. now, I see you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I was reading in 1 Peter uh, verses 419, and I just this verse just kind of spoke to me, and so I wanted to share it with you all. Sure. But it says, sure. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right, and trust your lives to God who has created you, for he will never fail you. Mm. So we have a God that um, not only asks us of it, but he's with us in it, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and he's empowering us through the mm -hmm. spirit to do these things. We don't have to do them alone. We're not alone. Yeah. Um, we have the very spirit of God within. We have the very spirit of God within. That's truth we could anchor ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Sharon, thank you so much for Absolutely. being here and thank you for sharing truth. My pleasure. Really appreciate pleasure. it.